everybody. Another episode of Kicking It with Breezy and Don C. And I've got a little accessory here, courtesy of my dad. Shout out to Andy Shirell. You guys see this nice little mug? For those of you that can't see, you probably won't see unless you watch this preview. What, how do we look, Danny? How do we Beautiful. look? Beautiful. Scale I mean, that design, that design on the mug, I mean, it's, it's just, it does it justice, I think, more than the stickers do. Which, speaking of stickers, if you guys want kicking it stickers, make sure you hit us up. We still have some extras to give away. We're giving away. We're not even selling them right now. So if you want to rep the brand, rep the podcast, hey, just hit us up. We got extras for you. Do not hesitate because I have so many sitting on my dresser as we speak. And every time I see them, I'm like, wow, I'd love to just give these away. But exactly. another quick plug, Maria Shirell, my sister, made the design. So I know I'm plugging two Shirelles in back-to-back sentences, but credit, you know, got to give credit where credit's due. Uh, it's pod 38, man. And a lot has happened. A lot has happened in the time from the time we talked to Francis CEO to now. I did want to give you some insight, though, just to get your quick input and our listeners. I drafted my fantasy team, and I gotta I gotta read it off for you guys, if that's okay. It was a ten team draft PPR. I had the second pick, and I texted you, Danny, of course, and I was really debating Saquon, Zeke, Saquon, Zeke. I went with Saquon. My team now is called the Saquads. Is that a what is that? A through F? No, you That's don't. It's a like fantastic it? dad. I would say for, for you, Mr. New Balance wearing dad fit <laughs> legend, I'd say that's an A plus. Okay, word. Uh, <laughs> I like that. So okay, here's my team. Kyler Murray at quarterback, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor at running back. We do three wide receivers and a flex. So my three wide receivers are Devontae Adams, Tyler Lockett, AJ Brown. Tight end is George Kittle. Flex is Cam Akers. Defense is the Buccaneers. My bench, Julian Edelman. James White, Damian Harris, Miko Hardman, Darius Slayton, Austin Hooper, Randall Cobb. How did I do? I like it. I think the one that stuck out to me that I might not have made the decision, and I guess you wouldn't have known this when you drafted, would have been Lockett. Simply mm-hmm. because I know that offense, weirdly enough, having one of, if not the best quarterback, I mean, granted, I know it would be a hot take to call him the best quarterback, but he's definitely in the discussion, right? They have always been a run first team. And now that you've got Lockett, they just signed Josh Gordon. So we don't, we don't know what's going to happen there, but he's he, always – He's not reinstated though, is he? No, nah, I don't think so. But I, I think he's, oh. he's there. They signed him. But then I think also DK Metcalf is freaking a monster. I mean, I'm like one of the biggest DK Metcalf fanboys in the world. Just watching this guy's training, he doesn't look like he's built like the rest of us. So I think he's, he's surging, right? So I think that's the one where it's going to be hit or miss. But, I mean, the fact that their first bench player is Julian Edelman, and we know how much Cam loves to, you know, hit those little seven yards. I think Julian Edelman is going to get like 100 catches this year. I really could see it happening. Also, James White. So, that's nah, a great team. I think Saquon, you know, you texted me and I said, go Saquon, just because I think Cowboys are going to pass a little bit more, so leave Zeke for later. And I think Kyler's a good call, too, because you're always going to get the rushing yard. So, I think you did a great job, man. Great Thank team. you. Thank you. It was Very well done. It was a tough draft because it was one of those instances where I had so many players queued, like mm-hmm. Dak. I had Jameson Crowder, potential sleeper. And a couple other guys, they were literally getting picked, like, back to back to back. And I'm like, okay, well, there goes all my sleepers. Not that Dak's a sleeper, but uh, it was fun. I love fantasy drafts. It honestly took probably close to two hours because the clock, I think, was set at three minutes per pick. A lot of guys used their – yeah, it was like, wow. That's a bit long. It took way too long. But I think my uh, draft is tomorrow, and it's 12-team. And I think <laughs> our drafting is only like 45 seconds. Yeah, so it's like – should do it. We're going quick. I mean, granted, it's 12 teams, so I'm going to be scraping the bottom. And i got to be honest, since basketball has been happening, I have not been keeping up on my football, man. I have you not. Know, 
I hadn't either. I've been thinking the whole time, no football's going to even happen. So I'm not even looking. I feel like I'm going to end up round six and I'm going to be confused as to who to pick. And, and this is upsetting for me because in this league, I tend to do pretty well. I think I've made like four championships. I'm kind of like the LeBron of this league. I think I've made like five championships in seven years, but I've only won two. So oh, it's like, you, you know, I'm kind of like – kind of like LeBroning this league. So it's going to, it's unfortunate. You know? I don't want to walk in there like with the Cavs team from like 2015. Like I'd rather walk in with this Lakers team, you know, so we'll see. Okay. I, li- I like the mention of the Lakers. I know you had to oh, fit yeah. that in there, of course, had to, but had to. Um, so that's enough fantasy football. I know you mentioned it, of course, you know, it's, it's weird because I feel like I know Bill Simmons has mentioned, I listen to his pod a lot that he kind of was just defiant. Like, no, I'm not going to do fantasy research. I'm not, I'm not. And then last week it was like, all right, well, the draft's coming. Season's look, looks like it's going to start. What's the first game? I think the 13th? Something like that. I think that's what it is, yeah. College football's going to be back, at least in, you know, most conferences. Can we just mention what – did you hear about the Oklahoma game? Yeah, that's interesting. They're charging pay-per-view. $55 pay-per-view for a big 12 conference game? I could – I could not believe it. Josh sent me that tweet, and I, I responded. I wouldn't pay $55 pay-per-view for Alabama LSU. I don't oh, think okay. I'd pay. That's a little too far. No, I don't think I would. I do not think I would really? pay $55, $55 for a football game. Donnie, when's the last time you paid? When's the last time you've paid $55 to watch football? Okay, not well, in the stadium, for God's sake. Oh, well, then never. <laughs> then never, right? So I'm not changing that now. It's, if somebody's like, hey, Lakers Rockets, you got to pay $19.99. You know what I'm doing? Straight to the streams. And that's exactly what I'm going to do for the Oklahoma game. You think I'm paying for that? Are you kidding me? Well, one, who's well, really going to want to watch Oklahoma well, in week one? No one cares. Like, on. Let's be real. But when they playing like Kansas State. They'll win 72 to 14. If I they're don't not playing that. Baylor, if they're not playing, well, I can't even. Old, say old school Baylor. Anymore. Old right, school Baylor. Exactly. <laughs> no. Baylor's garbage now. Yeah. Well, Baylor did beat them this year. Right? No, I'm sorry. They did not. They yeah. did not. Sorry, did Baylor not. fans. I know yeah. Caitlin Devon <laughs> is a big Baylor fan, so sorry, Caitlin. But, yeah, they lost that game. And then they lost in the Big 12 title game. But to wrap up our college football talk, I want to mention a number. And it's the number of our podcast, 38. This is now the number that Giannis needs to average to win this series. Um, I have not gotten to share my feelings yet about the Bucks, And I see you are laughing uncontrollably. But <laughs> it's just good. That was such a beautiful transition. Thank and I you. expect beautiful transitions from you, but that one, thank you. That was fantastic because it, it wasn't the happiest of transitions. No. So I appreciate it even and more. I don't even know why I'm smiling because this is a sad time. Um, yesterday, wow. Sometimes I'm just left speechless, Danny. Uh, watching that game, well, first off, watching game one of that series, you know. It's not like I didn't expect Miami to be a viable threat. I've said that time and time again. We've both agreed on that. But I'll admit, I was not 100% sold that they could actually really push the Bucks to win now consecutive games. And watching that first game unfold, seeing what Jimmy did in the fourth, okay, I sat back. It's one game. You would think that the coach of the year, Mike Budenholzer, from last year would make adjustments. You'd think that the MVP, Giannis, would make adjustments. you think that – all this stuff would just fall into place, but it didn't. And game two was an indicator of that when you see Yanni's continuing to just plow in. And Doris Burke made a great point. His balance looks way off right now when he drives in. The defense knows. I was texting my dad back and forth. And my thing is, as a basketball mind, real quickly, Yanni's needs to focus more on posting up and catching entry passes because then – you know, the defense, he knows what the defense is doing. When he's running on those fast breaks, as dominant as he is, that's his kryptonite. 
when those guys set their feet and take those charges, which are not easy to do, let's be real. But when that happens, it forces the Bucks to then go to other guys that are not comfortable with being the sole, you know, contributor on the offense. Chris Middleton, to be fair, has played a lot better. Brooke Lopez has played a lot better. But we're wasting these games from these guys by taking out Giannis. What are we – what is Bud doing? The minute distribution in this series for the starters has been really questionable. I mean, I'm not going to sit back and question him as a coach. Really, I can't because, one, we're not qualified to do that. And, two, he's won, you know, 60 games, Eastern Conference Finals last year. I was hoping it would be two years in a row, but that's up in the air. But to be in the playoffs, to be in a series that can really make or break the future of this franchise, for those of you that are out there saying that Giannis will leave, which I still don't think he will, but I don't know, man. Talk about head scratchers. And the Heat just are playing harder. They're playing faster, smarter. I don't even want to mention the fouls because the foul that Dragic got called for on Middleton was not a foul. I will admit that objectively. But the final call on Giannis on Jimmy Butler, to me, was 20 times worse. You can't end a playoff game like that. But I want to hear your thoughts after I kind of went on that little rant. I am sorry, but Bucks, please be listening because this is outrageous. Yeah, it, it's interesting, right, to look, to look at those games with Milwaukee because we've been – saying this for how long like for how long have we been talking about this is where the bucks struggle we've been talking about this mid regular season you cannot bring a 10 11 man rotation into the playoffs you can't you can't do that because when you have guys playing like Giannis gave you what 32 last night 33 he had 29 to 14 but it was chris not middleton is playing Better than typical playoff Chris Middleton basketball right now. He's shooting like 40%. I mean, for me, that's big for him right now. Bledsoe played pretty well. George Hill played pretty well. But when, you, when you're relying on Marvin Williams to come in off 10 minutes and make shots, DiVincenzo to come make shots, Connaughton to come make shots, these guys to make shots that, like you said, the minute distribution is horrendous right now. And, and I get, and you're 100% right. Questioning Budenholzer in terms of his coaching, fine. But at what point are we giving up this idea that Giannis can do all this stuff in 36 to 38 minutes? I saw Nick Wright tweeted it today, and he's absolutely right. The best players in the playoffs are playing 40-plus minutes. They just are. And Giannis is not exactly Joel Embiid. I don't understand why. I knew why they did it in the regular season, and we talked about this. And you would always use it as on your side to defend Giannis's MVP chances, right? That was always it. Look at what he's doing on 36 minutes. Look at what he's doing on 34 minutes. And you can appreciate that because in regular season, you, he's the, I've been saying it, the most dominant player, but when the playoffs comes around, the, the blueprint is there. Like you said, put two guys in front of them, set their feet, help defense and make the other guys beat you. And unfortunately, they're just not right now. And you see when Miami, they have a go-to rotation. They have a go-to starting lineup and a go-to finishing lineup. And when the game is close to the end, I mean, in my opinion, Miami kind of blew that game at the end. I mean, miss, Jimmy missed a free throw. They played terrible defense, threw the ball away. Like, they were doing everything to get Milwaukee into that game. And the thing that's unfortunate and something that I know you're going to be annoyed to hear about, but it is a, it's a factor, was Giannis's free throws at the end of that game. He looked so not confident. And that's something that me as a LeBron fan, obviously, I've had to deal with. Because you can do everything right. 
during the game. Giannis has been dominant. He's been driving. Granted, game one, he wasn't as dominant and as aggressive as he normally would be, but he fixed it, in my opinion, in the second game. He drove that and one he had towards the end of the game, falling around to break, bring it to four, I think. Ridiculous. I mean, he was still pushing. The problem is, at the end of the game, it's, the, it's plays. It's little things, right? It's the little margins. And at the end of that game, when he almost airballs that first free throw down six, it's like clearly he, 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 he had, he's a little bit gassed. It, and, and I think that's because he knows he has to carry, and he thinks in his head. And that's the thing that I think all people who are skeptical of the Bucs have been worried about. It's is Giannis going to have to carry so much weight for that team that it's going to end up biting him in the butt when teams do what the, what the Heat have been doing. When Giannis is, gets the ball in the corner, they just help. They just abandon whoever's in the corner, and they're like, anybody but Giannis. Anybody but Giannis getting an open layup. And Giannis would keep pushing. He'd keep pushing. And like you said, he doesn't look like the same Giannis right now. Maybe he's gas. I know we mentioned what he had said before where, you know, being in the bubble, it wears on you and stuff. Who knows where his mental state is at and stuff like that right now, having to carry this team. And that's one of the reasons, not because of Giannis, that I believe he would leave, but because of the guys around him. They better get him some help. That's all I'm saying. And they need help this series. I mean, I think we all know that because he's going to put up 30 and 15. And you're right. Even if he averages 38 points, I think even if you have just 38, you've got to have consistent guys and a consistent rotation. You, I just don't think DiVincenzo and Marvin Williams right now need to be seeing more than four minutes. I think Giannis needs to be playing 42 minutes a game. He's yeah. 25 years old, about to win back-to-back MVPs. He's by far the strongest dude in the NBA. I mean, by far. He's the most dominant figure we've seen in the NBA since like Wilt Chamberlain in terms of just being so much stronger and bigger than everyone else. He has to play that many minutes. He has to. He has to facilitate. And what you talk about where LeBron tends to rely on his teammates a little maybe too much and Giannis kind of tries to take it himself, you've got to find a happy medium. You I was have to say to. That's, that's LeBron's luxury, though. He has exactly. the luxury to rely on guys like AD. And as much as we want to convince ourselves that Chris Middleton is this star – now, I don't think that he's not a good player. Like, that's to me, that's blasphemy. If you think Chris Middleton sucks. No, of course not. He does not. You know, I'm not saying you, but in general, you know, the yeah. general consensus from the media. But I was talking again to my dad this morning, and my thing is, you know why the Raptors are so good? You know why the Celtics are so good? Because they have six, seven-man rotations. It's one thing to have a team full of, you know, competent guys, capable guys, but like so many other things – it's quality over quantity. You can boast 11, 12 guys on your bench, but if half those guys on your bench can't put up six points, what are you doing? That's why, to me, this offseason, and again, a reminder to all you fans out there, all you listeners, Giannis is not a free agent this summer. So the Bucks still have, unless something unforeseen happens, like him requesting a trade, which – I don't want to go on record. I may shave my head if that happens. I will literally make a bet with you, Danny. If he, if he demands a trade, I will do something drastic, something that I wouldn't normally do because I don't think he's going to do that. But you've got a summer. You've got this summer looking at the free agency class. I'm actually writing an article as we speak, you know, working on it for free agents to consider. Guys like haha, Jay Crowder, he's going to be a free agent. Jeremy Grant might be a restricted free agent. Serge Ibaka some names out there that you can sprinkle around Giannis to just elevate his play. And that second unit, it was so good in the regular season, but we've seen that so many times that these regular season teams just lose steam. And that's what's frustrating. And I don't know where else we can go from here, but uh, I did want to mention real quickly, I'm sure you saw this, uh, Richard Jefferson's tweet last night. 
Giannis might be a Pippen. There, I said it. He needs his Jordan. But did you see Scottie Pippen's response moments ago? He said, I'm not Giannis. I don't have back-to-back league MVPs. He will in a matter of days. And he's not me. The question is, Rich, who are you as a player? Wow. Okay, that's awesome. I love when former and current players, whatever the case may be, beef on Twitter. Amazing. I love it. And he's right. Giannis is not Scottie Pippen. He's not. If anything, and I'm, I wanted to make this point very clear, and I know people may laugh, whatever, Giannis is a modern-day Shaq. He is. You've seen people com- – when you talk about his paint dominance, where he makes his – where you know his bread and butter is down low, five feet away from the basket. It's inevitable. That's just where he succeeds. And people are saying, oh, you know, this with this jumper and whatever. Yeah, of course he needs to add more to his game, but people weren't saying that with Shaq. I don't remember anyone ever saying, oh, if Shaq got a three-pointer, he'd be the best player in the game. I know that they're, you know, two different body types or whatever, but learn, my thing is learn to appreciate what the guy is good at and then find a player who is best at his weaknesses, i.e. a guy, I guess, like Chris Middleton, maybe a guy like, I don't know, a guy like Devin Booker. I'm just throwing names out there, guys that are go-to scorers outside of the paint because if you get a guy like, I don't know, a, a dominant interior player like Rudy Gobert that would be the worst thing to watch ever I mean having those two guys try and share the ball inside so what do you make of all the things with Giannis being compared to Pippen maybe Shaq what what's the realistic comparison here yeah I mean when when I heard him say Pippen I, I immediately just threw out like anything in player to player comparison and I thought more about what he's talking about when Pippen was by himself right when Pippen was by himself he he got close but he couldn't get there when Jordan went to go play baseball you know Pippen got to like the Eastern Conference finals Eastern Conference semis and and barely lost and you're thinking like okay Pippen's a great player and it's crazy when people like Skip Bayless like throw that out like Michael Jordan was playing by himself like I love when people old heads have like this idea that like the 95-96 Bulls were comparable to, like, the 2015 Cavs. Like, that's how they talk about it. Like, oh, Pippen was no better than Kevin Love. Like, y'all got to relax with that. Like, en- enough with these weird comparisons and enough with, oh, man, well, LeBron had Ray Allen. The Jordan only had Steve Kerr and John Paxson. Okay, enough of those comparisons, right? Like, those dudes hit big shots the same way. But don't get me started on that. But I think Giannis is a dominant player. I do. I, I know that. Everybody knows that. It, it would be silly not to say that. But you said something earlier that I think is important. He's got to find his second game because his first game of transition play and driving the hoop and dominating, like you said, in the regular season, when the refs ain't calling charges, when the refs are just letting the boys play or call, I mean, just giving everything to the driving offensive player, you see what Jans does in the regular season. He could win seven MVPs in a row. Like, I'm not kidding with, when I say that. This guy can easily average 30 and 15. Easily, and I mean that, easily in the regular season. And the he problem does. is, yeah. and he does. And the problem is in the playoffs, the referees call the ball different. I mean, they just call games different. We all know that. And, and, and they're inconsistent as well. So you have to find that B game. Like, you see with a lot of teams, like when LeBron's three's not going down, sometimes they switch to the pick and roll and they start throwing alley-oops. Sometimes he just drives. They switch up the game. You got to find, like, Giannis, I, I, I love that he's trying to shoot the jump shots. I love it. And I especially love it during the regular season. But I do not love it in the fourth and the third quarter and fourth quarter games. That's when it's time to get your big body down on the post and dominate. That's why when you talk about the Shaq comparison, you're like, nobody told Shaq to shoot threes. Granted, it was a different 
area of basketball. There's a different era. Like they weren't shooting threes like they are now. And I think that's why he thinks he has to do it. But just get down on that block. Like watch a little Joel Embiid or something. Watch a little how he shakes on the block and gets past dudes. Like Giannis can do that. It's not natural. I don't think it's natural for him to get the ball down the post and put a little shake and fade away yeah, he's jumper. Not, he's not a back-to-the-basket player, but like you said. I you think he adapt. easily could be. Right. More so than he could become a freaking Carl Anthony Towns. Like, he doesn't have the touch from back there that Towns has from the line. He just doesn't. Like, you, you – and Carl Anthony Towns ain't down on the post dominate. Like, Giannis can do that. And that's where I think what you're talking about, bringing in guys like a Jeremy Grant or guys like that, I just don't know what that does for Giannis. I think having those wings, those three and D guys, I don't think he needs that right now. I think he I, needs a guy who can pick, who play pick and roll with him type game, who can pull up from three. When you mentioned Devin Booker, that's a guy who I think him and Giannis well, would do. Damn, I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. That's a match just saying, made in heaven, but yeah, it's a match made not, in heaven. Right. But a guy like that, like you see how Donovan Mitchell plays with Rudy Gobert, like that yeah. type of thing. Once again, that's a tough thing to find, but that's what Giannis needs. That I've doesn't make Giannis a Pippin. Like, right. I think that's a little crazy to say. But I don't think this team that Giannis is on right now, and that's why I've been skeptical. It has nothing to do with Giannis. I, I have all these feelings about Giannis, like whether it's I, I think he's overrated some game. You know, some games I watch him, and I just think people are like, they're a little too high on it. Like, he can do this all day, every day. When the playoffs comes around, man, things get called different. It's going to be harder. We've seen this for how many players? We've seen it for Steph. I'm a Steph fan. You think I don't under – you don't – think I get the, the blasphemy tweets that people give out, oh, Steph in the playoffs. Go look at statistics. Go look at statistics if you want to hate on Steph and call him not clutch. And he's Go soft look at his fingers. Go look at statistics. Yeah, look exactly. At Go look at his fingers. Go look <laughs> like, at stats. It's the same with Giannis. You want to say, oh, he can't do this, he can't do that. Look at stats. He's dominating. He just needs to have better people. And, and what you said about Chris Middleton I think is important. Chris Middleton does not suck. He's not a fourth-tier player. In my opinion, he's a third-tier player. I'm not giving him even second-tier player, but I've been saying that. I've, I've been consistent on that. I think Chris Middleton is an all-star because he's in the East. Like, you know, I mean, that's, that's just fair. the truth of the matter for me. That's fair. That's not enough. Brooke Lopez is getting old. He slows down in the playoffs. Eric Bledsoe, it's like he just he doesn't strike fear into people. You know what I mean? Like, there are some guys that just strike fear. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, because this is what I see from the Heat. The Heat have dudes that are cold-blooded on that team. And that's where I think they cause a big problem. Jimmy, we know is cold blooded. Tyler hero is somebody who I've been singing the praises of forever. I think he is so cold blooded. Look at what Dragic has been doing since he's found that little tear where he closes the game. Where does this come from? I mean, it's unbelievable, but he's just, they, they know what they are. I think that's where the bucks struggle. And that's why I think this series, I'm not going as far as to say it's over, but the bucks have to show me a lot in this third. I'm serious. A lot. Because right now, the Heat just had seven guys over 10 points. Like, they have clearly found their rotation. Clearly. That graphic, that graphic made me sick, uh, sick. last night. And, that, and that's the thing. Is, that's tough. That's I tough know. to see when it's like, oh, somebody can be in foul trouble. Oh, Duncan Robinson comes in. Oh, somebody's in foul trouble. Kelly Olenek comes in. Oh, somebody's in foul trouble. Kendrick Nunn comes in. The problem is, and this is what I've been saying to you for a long time, the problem is the Bucks. that's second unit. I mean, for God's sakes, they got to find an identity. They have to. Because I was when saying Giannis goes this, out, Donnie, yeah. Giannis needs to – please correct me if I'm wrong, and I don't think I am. Giannis needs to be playing six more minutes a game. I know. He has thing, to. Danny, that's the thing. He mentioned it last night in his postgame presser. He was like, if I could, I'd play all 48 minutes. But it's not like he can just say to his coach, well, screw you, I'm going to play. Like, no, that's not how it works. That was the whole thing with, the, you know, guarding Jimmy too. The coach at the end of the day, it's not like he owns Giannis, but he is hired and is paid to coach. So he's going to make his decisions that he feels are best. Granted, those may not be the best right now. 
in terms of his minutes, but you know, that's just hopefully something they'll adapt to. But I did want to mention first off to agree with you. Yes. He needs to be playing at least, at least 42 minutes a game. And if I'm bud, my thing is at least for these next, however many games they play, you know, God, God willing, it's, you know, four or five, a little bit more. Um, you cannot have a lineup. If you've got Yanni's out of the game, you need to have the pairing of Bloodstone and Middleton in the game. And if those two guys are out, you got to have Giannis out there. You cannot have those three gone at the same time. You just can't. You can't. Because if you've got a smaller lineup, one that I actually wrote about as well, lineup like, you know, Bloodstone, George Hill, Pat Connaughton, Chris Middleton, Giannis, like a, you know, a little bit of a smaller lineup to surround them with more shooters, more competent defenders. That's why I mentioned guys like Jay, like Jeremy Grant. Because Jeremy Grant's proven, too, he can stroke it now. He is a three-point threat, athletic wing. And the Bucs just need to get a little bit younger. And they were younger for this longest time. And then they signed guys like Brooke. Bledsoe came on, who, granted, is still, you know, in his early 30s. And then you got – Corver as well. Yeah. Right, Ersan Ilyasova. One more thing before we move into our next point, because we've been going on this for a while. I do know one guy who has shown that he is probably one of the best clutch players in the NBA this season – that I have been saying, and I know you disagree with me, but at this point, it's like, what else can we do that would fit perfectly with Giannis? And that's Chris Paul. But that's just not going to happen because his contract may be the worst in NBA history when it comes to his productivity and you know what his age is right now. But if we could package a deal to send guys like Bledsoe, George Hill, whatever, get them out, bring in Chris Paul, you know I'd be fine with that. Uh, I want to move into the two game sevens that we got to witness. One of them was, I mean, talk about long, drag it out, claw your eyeballs out of your sockets. The Denver, Utah one ending in a crazy finish. And then you had Lou Dort, Lou Dort. That might be one of the best names too. And I, I was losing my mind as I was scrolling through Twitter. It's one of those nights where you were just, you know, loving everything you see. Most points by a player 21 or younger. NBA Game 7 history. Jason Tatum had 24 in 2018. Kobe had 25 in 2000. LeBron had 27 in 06. Lou Dort had 30 last night against Houston. What in the heck was that? Uh, man, that Lou Dort, man. Talk about a guy who just made himself some money in the last two weeks. I mean, Josh, now no one's going to remember it because of the whole James Harden you know, yeah. trying to save it off his off his leg. Yeah. It's unfortunate. I mean, but yeah. people have been talking about Lou Dort like for a long time. Just an unbelievable on ball well, defender. What do you consider a long time? I mean, since middle of this season. I mean, people. I mean, he's okay. I was gonna was say twenty. Yeah, if you would have gone yeah, a not bit since he was back, in college like, or something. You know, like, no, 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 right. no. Like, no, I'm talking mid January. Like, people are saying, oh, he's a great on-ball defender. And talk about the, the guys you had to go up against. I mean, geez, Louis. I mean, you haven't got James Harden for a whole series, like. You're going to gain some respect from me. I mean, I mean that's for sure. But to put up 30 in a game seven, I mean, uh, the only thing I can think about, like really, and this might just be complete, what do they say, armchair quarterback in high, you know, hindsight is 2020. Why does Lou Dort have to score 30 points for the Thunder to be competitive? Like Jeez. I could have sworn they Good had question. Danilo Gallinari. I could have sworn he was there. I could have sworn SGA is there. Why, why is Chris Paul having to average a triple-double and Lou Dort having to score 30? This is why I had, even in this series, Houston winning in seven. I believe both of us said this was going to be a long series, right? Fist bump, Fist bump through the camera. <laughs> but I didn't think it was going to be because Houston was just going to, like, not look good. Like, I just think I, – I think it was Nick Wright who said Houston should have been up 6-0. I, I 100% agree. 
Like what? I went back and looked through. They won this series. They swept this series in seven games. Like if that makes any sense to the listener, because OKC didn't win those games. Houston choked. That's why the thing is, you know, people have been scared as a, as a LeBron guy. I've heard it right on all, on all these channels. Portland's going to do it. They're going to bring them to seven games. Barkley's saying they're going to – all these nonsensical things that people say. I never had a fear in the world that Portland was going to win. You remember. I had no – I think I might have said Lakers in five. I think I had Lakers in five. I, I, did. I had no thought in the world that they could I did. Do I do have Charles Barkley doing his little sweep. The as sweep. My header on Beautiful. Twitter. So good. I mean, it's good. I mean, good. He's great for TV. There's a reason they win Oscars. But, or Emmys, whatever it is. But anyway, Houston, I've been saying the same. Like, Josh is, is – crapping his jocks right thinking about houston coming in and potentially doing what why why are we afraid if they're gonna shoot crapping his jocks crapping his jocks i didn't want to say what i was actually saying because we've been pretty good on the pg in this show but we have you right. have but this i mean this houston team as long as harden and westbrook are who we thought they were which once again in a game seven they proved they are exactly who we thought they were and they cannot close the series out in seven games they just so happen to be playing against in my humble opinion, and this might be a take that somebody might not appreciate, OKC was the worst playoff team in the West coming in. I thought Utah, whoa, I, if whoa, you look whoa, at, the eight game, at the in the eight games, Dallas is better. Dallas played better. Dallas yeah. played better than them. Utah completely over. I thought Denver was winning that series in five. I think I, I picked Denver, Denver in five. five. Yeah. I think I might have them in five as well. They played better. Donovan Mitchell showed up more than anybody on the Thunder. I mean, when you got yeah. Lou Dortz, your second, your second option, Come on now. Well, he, normally like, he's not. You know, let's normally he's not. But, but what I'm saying is in throughout that, that series, we were talking more about Dort than we talked about Gallinari, than we talked about Shea Gilgis. I mean, Steven Adams. Like, oh, he was – oh, that awful. was abysmal like, to watch that's, him that's play. For, for me, like, OKC had no business in that game seven. They had no business. And they, should, and they almost won the game. Like, that just if shows they wouldn't have Houston. thrown it to Steven Adams the last two seconds. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Houston just, for me, looks super vulnerable. And I think you'll see, once again, the exact same thing you saw in the Portland series. Houston will come out so hot in game one. They'll probably shoot 48% from three, shooting 53 shots. They'll probably win the game by five. And all the analysts will say, oh, that, that's the team. There goes the Lakers. And then you'll see the Lakers win in six, which is why I tweeted last night, Lakers in six, night. And I'm not even justifying it. Because in my opinion, they are basically Portland with like one extra player. Like, I really don't see much. You, if you look at Portland, right, you got Lillard, McCollum, Nurkic, Mello. Like, those are the four. And then Gary Trent, we're coming up. Who, Houston, we've got Harden, Westbrook, Covington, I'm not that scared of. Nah. P.J. Tucker, nah. Dan Wiles. Eric, Gor- Eric Gordon, sure. Eric Gordon, sure, I guess. But when, as soon as Eric Gordon gets the ball, Crusoe's going to run right on his left hip and say, no, no, you're shooting an elbow jump shot. You're not shooting eight three-point. That's not, you're not doing that. And, and guess KCP is going to do the exact same thing. Danny Green's going to do the exact same thing. And Daniel House is going to turn into an elbow jump shooter. Nope. The, the Rockets fans don't want that. They don't want Eric Gordon doing that. They don't want P.J. Tucker shooting shots from two steps in front of the three-point line. But you're going to see it. Watch. Game one, they're going to run straight to the hip. That's what they've been doing on Houston. It just so happened regular season. Houston outshot them a couple of games. I'm not worried in that series in the slightest. In the slightest. Houston How many games like does this one go? Six. I tweeted last night. Lakers six. in six. Okay. Night. I didn't even have to justify it. I didn't want to because I think Houston wins game one, and I just think Lakers need to find their rhythm. I think the Lakers run off three games in a row. I think Houston wins game five. Lakers win game six. And sure. I think it's a pretty routine series. I think LeBron's going to average 
somewhere in the 25, 26. Don't think he's going to go quite as many as he did against Portland because I think they have more bodies to throw at him. So I think we're going to see LeBron give you a slight 26, 10, and 8. Something like that. Okay. I think AD, because he's going to have his little brother, Robert Covington, guard him, is probably going to give you about 32 points a game this series. I really do right, think we'll that's going to happen. Because, we'll and, and Josh is worried. You know, P.J. Tucker is strong on, on, the, on, 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 the, on the elbow, on the, on the block. You know, he's really being physical with guys. Yeah, okay. You know, uh, whatever. Like, Steven Adams it was guard, getting guarded by, like, six foot six guys. And what do you have in this area? Like, 16 and 12? Like, if, if that's what you think is, like, defending – Whatever. I mean, Steven Adams, he is what he is. AD is a different animal. You're going to see AD elbow jumpers, pick and roll. In my opinion, the Lakers can win the series alone, alone, off running, off running the pick and roll with LeBron and AD. Yeah, you're not wrong. LeBron and Dwight Howard. I think they can win the game alone. So I'm not worried about that series. I'm really not. I, I think the series, I think that we're both looking forward to a little bit more, even so than Lakers and Houston. Not in terms of watching, but to see what it's going to have for the playoff implications is Denver and the Clippers. I think that's a game where I'm excited to see because – Denver's big. And L.A., yeah. you know, when they played against Dallas, when Kristaps when kept having knee soreness, I mean, we saw what the Clippers did. They were rebounding. Harrell was getting on people. Morris was getting on people. That's where I think Denver will struggle. I'm, I'm worried about Denver handling the Clippers' physicality. That, that's the, where I think this series might go awry for mm-hmm. Denver, which is probably why I'm leaning a little bit more towards Clippers in six games or so, just because I think they've got more closers. Kawhi's been playing ridiculous. Um, but I think it's going to be a close. I think both are going to be close series, but I got both LA teams in six games. Yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting because I think Denver is on a high right now, but even Jamal Murray showed that he's human. Uh, and even, I'm sure you saw the Scott Van Pelt interview when Scott said, all right, you ready for Thursday? And he looked and he's like, we play Thursday? <laughs> like we have to play in, you know, two days. Yeah. And, you know, this is being filmed, of course, uh, at what? One o'clock on Wednesday afternoon or Thursday afternoon. So, that game will ensue tonight. But, you know, I'm pretty much on the same page as you, but I did want to mention when you talk about Houston, you think about the small ball philosophy. Okay, yeah, that works. It does, but not as often as you may want it to. The only reason why I'm going to say Lakers in six is because if the, if the Rockets do get hot, which is very possible like they have, that is way harder to stop than the opposite, you know, scoring at – at will in the paint. I mean, if you're, if, if you're shooting that ball and the basket looks like the ocean and you're just throwing beach balls in there, then you can't do anything. Like, you just have to kind of throw up the white flag. Like, all right, you know, next game. And that's what happened game one against Portland. But I think that Houston is better than Portland when it comes to overall their entire supporting cast. And I think that this is going to be a real test. Not test, but I think individually for AD – Think about it. When they played the Blazers, it was a lot slower pace. You had guys like Nurkic and Whiteside hoofing it up the caboose. I mean, my God, that was painful to watch towards the end. Nurkic huffing and puffing, Whiteside huffing and puffing. Now you've got nothing to worry about when it comes to, you know, Houston going against L.A. They might be able to run them like crazy. Can A.D. stay conditioned? Will LeBron have to turn on his motor early? And could that take away some of his energy that could be used against the Clippers? And, it, you know, leading into that, I have Clippers in five. I think that the Nuggets are going to be interesting. They're going to throw some stuff at the, at the Clippers, but the Clippers have far more bodies to throw at Jamal Murray. Uh, Jokic, he can get his, and he proved it that the night he had, what, 30 and 14, and they won on a miracle miss by Donovan Mitchell. Kind of looked like Gordon Hayward's shot against Duke that year in 09. Uh, literally, like, in and out, and you're like, wow, you know, that was that close. So, I think – 
I just hit my mic. I'm so sorry. Um, I think that's what, that's, what's going to happen when it comes to that series. But uh, yeah, it's going to be the battle of Los Angeles. I hate that it's not in Staples, but you know, we we're past that uh, on the Eastern side. I would say Milwaukee, but that's not the case right now. We've been over that. I want to ask you this. This is the one question I have left really. Well, one more besides the Philly question I have. Can Tatum be a top 10 player in this, in this league in the next few years? I mean, he's showing all the right signs right now. You know, it's been partly on the back of Marcus Smart, at least for game two, that miraculous showing he had. But Tatum, I'm telling you, these flashes that he has of these step backs, these elbow jumpers, these, you know, deep threes, can he really be top 10? Because I think he can. I think if we're talking in a couple of years, like three or four, absolutely. And especially if he stays at this trajectory. I mean, I think we got to remember, like, there are some players right now that aren't playing that I'm still obviously taking ahead of him, like Steph and KD and LeBron still exists and Giannis is still out there and AD. And even if I'm looking at guys like a Booker and a Donovan Mitchell and guys like this, like, those dudes are so wicked, like slashing type guys. Like I'm still taking those guys ahead of Tatum right now. Like I'm still taking them. So I think Tatum is in my second tier. I think he's like mid to bottom second tier, maybe in like the 15, like 16 to 20 range. I would probably have him in right now if I looked all the way through, but yeah, absolutely. In the next couple of years. I mean, if this guy stays at this trajectory, because like all the analysts say, like we say, superstars are made in the postseason. Like what, what you do, even if you're not winning championships, like if you're putting up crazy numbers, if you're doing what, Don Mitchell and Jamal just didn't get, I mean, we're going to know who those guys are. Like we're going to, we're going to know they're going to be in the MVP conversations for the years to come. And I think Tatum is right there. I really do. I mean, I I think Tatum is going to give you, you see what he's doing. He's such a tough matchup problem as well, especially in Boston. I think talk about a good fit for a player, right? When you're surrounding him with Kemba, who can be cold, make shots. Jalen Brown, who we both talk about so well. He's one of my favorite players in the league. Marcus Smart, who's been playing fantastic. Can we just can we give Marcus Smart some love? Five threes in the fourth quarter game, too. He might have just ended that series. He might have just ended that series. Very, very possible. With no Gordon Hayward. I mean, hey, and I got to give props to you. I did not see this coming from Boston. I was one of the most skeptical people about Boston coming in. And granted, they did get thrown a pretty easy series as soon as, you know, Simmons was out for that, for that series. Against Philly, I do think that makes a big difference and it tires them out a little bit. But Boston, I mean, 6-0 and in the playoffs. Jeez, Louise. Yeah. And they're putting up points. They can defend, and they can defend guards. And that's where they give so many teams problems until I feel like, and that's why I kept calling Bucks because I thought Bucks would – get through this Miami series tough, but I think they would. And then I think you, you can't be just guarding guards and expect to beat Milwaukee. I mean, that, that ain't just going to work. They're long, they're tall, you know, but a matchup against Toronto when, who are you worried about for Toronto right now? You're worried about clutch loud playoff Lowry's turning into something serious and playoff Fred Van Vliet. I mean, that's who you're worried about. And Boston can guard that. And, and, and they are, you see at the end of that right. game too, Van Vliet's missing threes, Lowry's missing threes. On Anobi's getting corner threes that you can live with that. So that's where Boston, I think, gets through this series in maybe five games. And that's where they're just waiting. And that's when you made that call of Houston versus Boston. I was never really in on the Houston thing. But I got to admit, I wasn't that in on the Boston one. And right now they're looking fantastic. They're playing so well together. And I hate to say it for Gordon Hayward because we know how much we all like him and we want him to be healthy and play. But they don't look like they've skipped a beat. 
I mean, no. he come, they they sub in, they supplement with Wanamaker and Thice plays in the game, and then Smart comes in and closes the show. I mean, t- we talk about the rotations, right? That's a team who's got a very very strong rotation at the end of a game. And if Jason Tatum keeps playing like this and consistently gives you 25, 30 plus, that's a tough team to beat. I don't know what Toronto can do with them right now. I really I don't, don't. because Tatum, you would think on an OB Siakam, these guys would be giving Tatum trouble. They're really not. Mm-mm. Like Tatum no. is getting to his spot and he's dishing Kemba closing the show with the patented slide and step back jump shot was just beautiful to see. I, I think Boston gets out of this series in five games. I really do. This game three is, I mean, talk about do or die for Toronto. I mean, they absolutely need it. Granted, we've seen them come back from 2-0, unfortunately for, for you. Nice. We've seen it happen. I had to add it in there. So I'm not <laughs> willing to say it's over. And I'm certainly not willing to say the Milwaukee series is over. Yeah, but I mean – Crazy. I mean, I did not expect to see the three and five. Five. I keep thinking Miami was four, but I forgot they just tanked that last game to Indy because they knew whatever. And now we're looking at two six and O teams. It's pretty crazy. It's weird. And it hasn't really hit me yet in the sense that Boston is up 2-0 and about to be up 3-0 on the most quiet defending champs ever. Yep. I don't know, man. I really don't know. Uh, when it comes to Boston, I do love, love one thing about them. And I think this is what a lot of teams should adopt, especially in this day and age, how the center is being, I think, phased out of the game. The Celtics have two bargain chips at center, Daniel Tice and Robert, the time Lord Williams. That is, exact, that is exactly the philosophy I think you need and a philosophy that other teams, <clears throat> Milwaukee, should try and adopt putting your money in your wings and getting chips like that at center. Tice is, I don't even know his contract, but it can't be more than, what, seven, eight million. Robert Williams is probably still on his rookie deal. And you rotate, you rotate those guys in and out. You don't need your center to be the primary point of your offense unless it's a guy like Jokic or maybe even Rudy Gobert and then, of course, Joel Embiid. But that's rare. That's three out of 30 teams. So when you think about it, their philosophy when it comes to how their team is structured salary-wise is perfect. Such quality wings and Jason Tatum – Smart, Brown, Kemba, Hayward when he's healthy. And then you've got, you've got just, you know, decent pieces that can rebound and play defense. That's all you need. Uh, wanted to touch on that. Uh, and then our final question to wrap things up, is Philly going to blow things up? I really honestly think they should. Elton Brand has said he's not going to. And at, right before we hopped on, Ty Lue, I think, was being finalized as the head coach. So they've got a guy instead of Brett Brown. I don't know. I think that a package of Joel Embiid and maybe a player to somewhere else getting, whether it's like a Paul George return, just an abundance of picks or getting a couple of decent role players, guy that could break out to pair with Ben Simmons and surround him with shooters, other quality scorers. I don't see why not. And for the sake of being a Bucks fan, they can keep it for all I care. Keep their core. Yeah, that's fine. Keep paying Tobias Harris and Josh Richardson, and, and Al, Al Horford. Yeah, Jeez, oh my God. The, the new big three of, wow, these contracts are terrible. Uh, but who knows? What, what do you think is going to happen? If you were Elton Brand, what would you do right now heading into this? Well, I would, well first of all, if I'm Elton Brand, I would be praying that I keep my job for another couple true. of years because the fact that they've got Tobias Harris and, and Al Horford making like 120, I mean, it, it makes me sick. I mean, literally sick to my stomach to see what they're making and what they're producing. I mean, it's absolutely sick. We're talking about Ben Simmons and Embiid being the problem. Like, that's what it is. No, no, no. The front office signing those two guys and expecting them to just fit in is the problem. Like, 
what's going on? Like, how do they have such a shallow team with those? And we thought, what, Al Orford was the, was the future to fit in with those two? Like, have they been watching the same NBA as, as we have? Like, wings Real quickly, three- I do want to mention this. I forgot to even say it. For the record, I did say when they got guys like Horford, when they got rid of Jimmy, when they got brought in Josh Richardson, this is not going to work. And there were so many talking heads that were like, oh, Philly's equipped for the finals. Philly's equipped for this. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Ben Simmons, Al Horford, and Joel Embiid on the court at the same time makes me want to vomit legitimately. And then watching their offense. Watching their offense has made you want to vomit. Like, But the thing is, you just got to, like, find a way to get those guys out of there. Like, nobody's going to take those contracts right now. So, you're basically soaking those guys to the end. So, for me, Fuck. to answer the question of blowing it up, I really think they have no choice. Like, that, that's the thing right now. Unless you want to just waste a couple more years of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, I mean, outside of that, you just have to. And you're going to get something huge for Joel Embiid. I mean, you know that. Like, Joel Embiid is one of the best bigs in the league. Somebody's going to give up a lot for him, and I think you're right. Maybe get picks, understand that the next couple of years you're going to have to soak a couple of bad contracts, and hopefully when they're gone, then you can stack some more big guys with Ben Simmons. But come on now. Like, Ben Simmons is a walking triple-double. We got to stop. Like, I get it. Everybody's skeptical about him, and he's got to develop the jump shot. He's a walking triple-double. This has opened my eyes to Ben Simmons and how good he is. You put some pieces around Ben Simmons, and Ben Simmons can defend. I mean, how many commentators have we heard talking about they're missing him on the defensive end even more than on the offensive end? Ben Simmons can defend. He's a tough matchup. He's a walking triple-double. Put some guys around him. Just put some guys around him and watch him facilitate. I mean, watch a young – no, I'm not even going to say Magic Johnson. You know, I was just going to try and oh, get geez. after. I was just going to try and <laughs> get you going for that. No, but you got to put pieces around him. And Embiid is more the problem. His effort. And what did I say? You remember what I said right before that series. That's a four- or five-game series simply because of Embiid's effort. And you remember I said that. I said Embiid's going to come out 100% or he's going to come out 10%. He came out 100%, and then he sat on the, you know, sat on the bench. And he put his head in his hands, and, you know, I would want to do this, and I, I don't want to get swept. Yes, you, you don't care. This, you could tell in game four, he's like, whatever, I'm done with this series, bye. Like, that's the problem. It's time to blow them up. It's time to get Embiid out of there. Let somebody else soak him and hope for the best. I just don't think Embiid is a winning player in this league. I really don't. I don't see him doing much. I think he's going to get traded to a bad team. He's going to become the next Kevin Love where he's averaging 25 and 12, but on a team that sucks. And, and, and what, you know, the, 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 the journey and the path that I hope Carl Anthony Towns is not on. Is what mm-hmm. I, you know, like that's a way that's a guy who's wasting his, his best year's talent. They got to get him on a contender, get him beat over there, let him just waste away because the effort he puts in is just not consistent at all. And that's not winning any championships. I mean, come yeah. on, he, he gets the minutes that we wish Giannis did, but he does nothing with them. Like it, it's, it's tough. And I think they got to get rid of him. And if they don't make these quality moves the next couple of years, Elton Brand's got to go. And they just can't keep making these bad decisions. I mean, Ty Lue, I think, is going to help. We talked about this before we started recording. If you're going to keep that team, you needed a coach like Greg Popovich, a coach who's going to discipline his players, get guys to work hard, get guys fit and ready to play. Ty Lue ain't that. I mean, I'm sorry. I like Ty Lue as a coach. I think he makes the right moves. But in this LeBron lineage of coaches, like, I don't think Ty Lue is the one exactly disciplining player. I mean, LeBron was coaching those teams. Like, more, you know, more so than, like, Spolstra when he's in Miami. I mean, we've seen what Spolstra's continued to do. He's been in the playoffs, like, the last 12 years or something. Spolstra's doing his thing. And I think Ty Lue's going to go in there and be a player's coach. And I think they're just going to ride this thing out. And that's, that's unfortunate for Philly because I think they're going to continue to fall. No, no, yeah. that's not exactly, like, a place free agents are going to want to go. You want to go play with Embiid, who's going to embarrass you in the huddle, 
halfway through the game. No, you don't want to do that. So they're not going to get anybody else. And I think if they keep this, I wouldn't be surprised if Ben Simmons like, all right, get me the hell out of here then and let, let, let me go figure it out somewhere else because, you know, it's unfortunate he's getting paid. And Ben Simmons is getting paid what he should be getting paid. Unfortunately, so is, you know, Al Horford and Tobias Harris. But, you know, bef- before we move on from this, I don't know if you have anything else to say. I just want to get this out there, okay? When we, before we start talking about playoffs, you made some comments. And I took them personal as a, as a Warriors fan. And you were talking about how competitive the Eastern Conference was compared to the West. One through six, these guys can all play. Can we just look at the first-round matchup games in the East compared to the West? I mean, one seed. 4-1, and that was basically a 4. I mean, they just took the first game off and then said 15-point, 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 15-point win. Sweep, sweep, sweep. And then you look at the Western Conference, you had the five-game series, 6-7-7. Six, seven, seven. I mean, it just, I think, continues to show the West is just loaded, loaded. And I think that that's where, you know, a team like the Nets, if you know, Giannis is going to stay there next year, I agree with you. I just don't know if after this year he might not sign an extension. He might let that thing go, whereas had they done well this year, maybe he signs an extension, but in the West, I mean, it's just hard to find holes. Like, I'm worried about my Warriors, for God's sakes. Like, where are they going to fit into this West, man? The West is loaded with talent. I was thinking so, the same thing as we were and, talking on this and that's podcast. And that's what I'm interested in seeing next yeah. year. And But the East right now, man, they're they're in need of more teams. So I'm excited for the Nets to come through and be an immediate conference champion. I mean, contender. I mean, we know that. So yeah. it, we'll it's see. definitely going to be, you know, five, six-horse race in that East. But, man, right now in the West, it's like a 10-horse race because we forget about – Golden State, Phoenix is obviously surging. The Pelicans got to get help. Like Zion, I mean, Timberwolves have the number one pick. Timberwolves got the number one pick. I mean, we're talking 11, 12 deep in the in the West. I was so gonna say, yeah. The I would Pelicans like you. Too. I would like you to retract as an Eastern Conference fan and say the West is still dominant. As much as the East was coming, and they are coming, the West is still the dominant. I will officially retract my statement. Thank you. And I was only trying to do that to just generate some buzz, <laughs> at least for my team, trying to show that Milwaukee was have to go through the ringer if they did yeah. make the finals, which they, which they, they would. You weren't wrong. Yeah. They got to get there. Uh, yeah, yeah. But one last thing to close, I did want to mention to you. I don't know how I haven't mentioned this to you yet. I got my first pair of custom Nikes on the way. I threw well, together a pair of Air Max Ones. Love that. And on the back, instead of Nike Air, I put Don C. And very excited to see these come in. I was going to – I'm mad I didn't put Air Don now that I think about it. But, you know, Don C is just signature. Uh, They're very basic. It's just the main colors are black, sail, and white. Just to, you know, make it to where I can wear them a lot more. Um, I like that. And then also, to close things out, Travis Scott is collaborating with McDonald's. (laughs) Danny, what in God's name is that? Travis Scott's trying to take over the the merch and shoe like and everything. Collaborating game. with McDonald's? I mean, the money really? there, huh? Money talks. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> McDonald's is trying to be relevant again. You know, we're in the plant based industry. You know, we're in the plant based trend right now. McDonald's is like we're get, we got to get in here somewhere. So with Travis Scott, might be the best way to do it. Yeah, but no, well, that's sick. The, the Air Max ones, I like that idea. That's, yeah, that's always a, a money go to shoe. I, it's funny we haven't talked about sneakers in a long time because I just haven't had much interest in in the sneakers that have been releasing. I got to be honest, like you know, the, I the, agree with you. Yeah, like it's been a bit I of agree. a lull, which I understand, right? In the in the in the you know global scheme that we're in right now, I understand why people aren't releasing. I've seen a lot of people have been delaying releases. A shoe that I have really been looking at and liked was that Azareth. The mm-hmm. what is it? The Yeezy Three. What, what the heck are those? Three. I forgot what. So, is it 350s, but yeah. it's the V3 Actually, or something no, like that? No, those are the 700s, the one that just came out, the Azurus. Yeah, yeah. The, the Azurus. So those, those are, are nice. pretty sweet. I like those with the blue tint. But the ones I'm really looking at are the Air 
the Jordan one low Quay 54. I think those are mm-hmm. sick. They talk about your sale. I mean, they're all sailed a little bit of the purple. They kind of remind me of that Jordan uh, Barcelona sweater that he wore. So the dream team sweater. So I, I kind of want to pick those up, but right now I'm trying to save a little bit of money, bro. Birthday's coming up in about three weeks, I'm trying to have a little yes. bit of money saved up hopefully be able to get some stuff going there for my birthday. But so haven't been interested in the shoe game right now. I mean, I've been really truly interested in Converse more than most. I mean, those Shea Gill, just colorful Converse that he keeps released, countless Converse that he has his hashtag with all those shoes. I'm waiting for those to release. Cause I love supporting the new brand, the up and coming brand and Converse is that right now in the NBA. I mean, they're, they're, you know, resurging. So I'm waiting for those to come out, but you know, it's always nice to add a little Air Max one to the, to the rotation. Of course. You got some right behind me. I mean, just a good shoe, very good shoe. Can wear them with a lot. Very comfortable. And Absolutely. had to give a shout-out to Josh Tiller. Not your boy, Josh, but a different Josh. Yes, We've got our own Joshes. But yes. Josh actually came through with a discount. I hey. don't know how this happened. Legend. I want to say that he signed up for the training club earlier mm-hmm. on this year, and they gave him a 30% off discount, but it applies to everything. Oy. So even on Nike by you, so I paid, I think, $98 for a pair of custom Air Max 1s. Not because bad. I looked and the pine green ones were coming out at 140 and I posted them and I'm like, I really like these. And I thought about it. And then I texted Josh. And I was like, wait a second, is your discount for everything? He's like, Oh, everything. So I'm like, be right back. Let me go customize some and threw those together. So had to, had to give the credit where credit's due yet again, because without well, Josh would not have bought those shoes. Um, what a guy. Also, I want to get your thoughts real quick before we close sure. out the games today. So today we've got Boston, Toronto, Boston, Toronto, and Denver and then, Clippers, right? Yep. What's your picks for those games? Uh, real quickly, I will say Raptors. Okay. By, by how many? less than 10. Okay. I'll go seven. And then I'll say okay. Clippers by 12. Oh, okay. See, I, I was thinking, truthfully, this is the, the game that's going to keep Denver afloat. Like, okay. I, I think my prediction is kind of wavery. Like, I don't want to be like Kevin Wilds from First Things First and not really give a real pick. <laughs> But my, my pick is just within four points. Like, I think whoever wins, it's going to be a close game. I could see Jamal Murray going stupid tonight, just giving everything. And my fear for that series is that Jamal goes for, like, 47 tonight or something, and they lose by three or four points, yeah. and the wheels just come off, and that's a four or five. I mean, not four. And I just got to give him too much respect. Five-game series. Whereas if he goes crazy and they win – I mean, I think this is a six or seven game series either way. I still lean in Clippers. I said Clippers in six. I'm not going away from that. Um, yeah, but man, that Boston Toronto game, that's an interesting one because I just didn't see much. Partly from once Toronto, Toronto, just so it's an actual series, but of course, but just part of me close has Boston. watched that. And I'm like, man, Boston's got the closers and they've got the guys to defend Toronto's closers. I mean, when you see Marcus Smart all up in Van Bleed's grill towards the end of games, like, that scares me, man. And, and Lowry's got to get past Jalen Brown. And I, I really am leaning towards Boston. So I think I'm going to pick Boston in this game. Close game. Wow. Five, six points. I think I got Boston going up 3-0. So Boston is potentially going to sweep Toronto out of the playoffs. You, you heard me say earlier, I had Boston in five. So I think Boston gets, gets this next okay. game, loses the, the fourth game, and then that, okay. that's all she wrote. We'll I, I, really, I really think so. And I think uh, Clippers in six. So I think it's going to start – with a close game tonight, but I suspect Clippers will probably eke it out. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked. Well, that's going to do it. 38th episode in the books. We are now in the month of September. Yes. Which is weird enough, but hopefully it'll be more episodes as we go forward more often. We're going to do some more exciting ones, some unwritten rules, quick preview, maybe some 
rewatchable games, yes. breakdown, some drafts. Going to make it a little bit more interesting for you guys over the next few weeks. As always, thank you always for listening. And if you listen and you like what you hear, send it to your friends. Post it on your stories. Post it. Send it to you know your family, your friends, your coworkers. Get our listening up because we just want to have more people to listen. Want to have our audience bigger. And we just want to please you guys. So and don't listen. forget that you can go to our anchor page and become an official supporter of the kicking it podcast and sign up for a little subscription service where you just pay, you know, got, you guys know, Patreon, you know, Twitch, you just give like a dollar a month. Yeah. We appreciate it. It it helps us get further with equipment. It helps us move forward with merch. And Hey, if you do give, you know, 99 cents, a dollar, you let us know. We'll write your name down. We'll get you a discount on the first shirt. First shirt should be coming out within the next few weeks. Hopefully we're trying to get there, but you know, just let us know. Send us a screenshot of, of you giving about all we want's a dollar. If you're feeling generous, you want to give five. Hey, if your if your pockets are fat like that, ours aren't. But if yours are, we appreciate you. If not, anyway, send us the screenshot of you uh, subscribing and 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 supporting us, and we'll get you a quick discount on that first shirt. No problem. So, and to say it informally, please give us your money. Yeah, yeah. That, that, I didn't want to say that, but that that's what we mean. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what we're saying. That's gonna do it. Thank you all for listening. That's Danny B, Donnie C sure. here. We're out. Peace.